This is episode 132 on the Hoopreneur Show. Today we have the award-winning entrepreneur, keynote speaker, and podcast host, Danny J. Welcome to the Herpreneur Show, where we talk women, business, life. I am your host, Annette Lakovich. I'm an entrepreneur, businesswoman, mum, and I'm a fitness fanatic who loves to dance. What I also love to do is help you reach your fullest potential in business, health, and happiness. Join me as I bring you life-changing interviews, world-class education that helps you continue to up-level your next stage in greatness. It's your time to shine. Let's do it. Have you ever looked back at your life and realized some of the tragedies that you've had, you are thankful or grateful in some way because it's got you to where you are now, who you are today, or what you're actually doing today? Well, that's exactly what we're going to hear about Danny J. She's an award-winning entrepreneur, keynote speaker, and podcast host. What I know you're going to love today is the first part, just hearing her story and really hearing the heartache and the challenges that she went through, but then how she continually picked up and moved through it. So if you're going through a challenging spot right now, this is going to be great for you because we really go there after she goes through her story. And then we then blend it into how she built one of the biggest fitness online brands called Sweaty Betty, also known today as the expert in starting all over again. We talk about how to repackage yourself, the challenges that we put ourselves in a box and we, we're we so multi-talented, many of us women entrepreneurs. Now we go all different areas on this interview and I know it's going to be so impactful for your growth and just so many key learnings. I know you you're going to love it. If you do, reach out to me on Instagram. Thank you to Marie Kirkpatrick. Really appreciate your message the other day. Ladies, without further ado, let me introduce you to Danny J, the co-host of the Best Life Podcast. Enjoy. Danny J and Nettie D are in the house. We're going to make you bounce. Uh, let's get on the mic. How are you today, Danny J? I am so good. So good. I like that nickname for you. <laughs> yes. yes. Nettie, definitely love to rap and normally bring that on the stage. So there we go. Music is a big part. So it is my, it's my rap name. Now, yes. Danny J, where are you in this beautiful planet that we live on? Let everyone uh, know. I am in Las Vegas, Nevada. And it was funny because I was just tell, I just found out about your pole dancing background and I was literally at a pole dancing <laughs> studio today. And I'm like, this is the place. If you're going to learn to pole dance, it's Las Vegas, right? That is and it. actually, I actually grew up here. I just moved back. So I've been gone for a decade. I left Vegas in 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, I just got back, but people who found out that I grew up in Vegas, they would always like ask if you lived in a casino. And I would joke around and say things like I did, or like in in first grade, we learned how to pole dance. So, you know, I always have fun with it. Like that's what they teach you if you grow up in Las Vegas. That is so funny. Uh, One of our favorite destinations, my husband and I, is Vegas. Oh, no kidding. Whenever we go there, we have to stay there for 10 days. And whenever we have friends that come with us, they they check out like five days. We're done. We're done. We're like, we're going to do it 10 days. We're doing 10 days. (laughs) 
<laughs> 10 days is intense in Vegas. That's for sure. Yeah. When I wasn't living here, I came on vacation and uh, my best friend and I, my podcast partner, we'd come out here for her birthday. She always does birthdays in Vegas and five days. And I was like, yeah, five days was too, five days was max. Five days is max. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do next time we go because we will have a son. So there might be a big difference in how long we'll last. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Completely different. Now I would love to start the story. We found you with your Ted talk. Can oh. we go all the way back? Because you are all about the do over. I know your friends used to have given nickname Danny, the do over. Can yeah. we go back to your story? Because I think I've just got chills actually just thinking of it. Um, ladies, when you're listening to this, we will have the link for that TED Talk. It is incredible. You're going to laugh and you're going to have tears as well. Danny, take us back and share with us the journey to pretty much doing now, being known, helping people redo over, no more excuses. Let's move on with a fresh chapter. Can you take us back? Yeah. So I shared this story in my TED talk and it's, um, you know, my life, I feel like I've, and maybe a lot of people can relate to this. I feel like I've lived multiple, multiple lives. So I start off saying that I graduated college doing what any college graduate would do. I ran off and joined the circus. But the truth is, as I was a gymnast growing up, um, I actually started late and I caught on really quickly. Um, and gymnastics was like my passion. My mom thought I was going to put me through college, get a scholarship, you know, go to the Olympics. That's like the big dream. And, you know, Mm -hmm. not very many people get to do that. Um, but at 15 years old, I got pregnant and prior to that, there'd been some things in my home life that were going on. Obviously I don't think a 15 year old girl gets pregnant when things are going great at home. So (laughs) there was a lot of things going on, but I remember when my mom found out the first thing I told her, I mean, the first thing that came out of her mouth was what about your gymnastics, which is (laughs) funny in retrospect, because who says that when they find out their teenagers pregnant, but I think just the shock. And so um, I was raised in a very religious home and oh, wow. there was a lot of decisions of what I was going to do with the baby. And I actually found out I was pregnant, um, at a behavioral health center. I had mm. been really suicidal. Um, I got sent there and they put me on suicide watch. And when you get to one of these places, they do a lot of labs. They're testing to see what kind of drugs you might be on. And, and apparently they did a pregnancy test, which I did not know. And I was barely late. I don't even think I was maybe supposed to start my period. So I didn't even know until they brought me into the office and they told me that I was pregnant. And so the, the first words, the first words out of my mouth were, I'm having an abortion. I said, I'm going to kill myself anyway. So what do I care? And that was just like, that was my mindset. I was dead set on not being here. I didn't think I deserved to be alive. I had so many reasons in my mind that I didn't deserve to be here and that I wasn't good enough. And so it didn't even, I didn't even factor in having a baby. I'm like, I'm not even going to be here. Well, this is, it was not, it was nothing. Mm. And I was going to go to an eating disorder clinic because this was part of it. I was a gymnast. And of course you probably know eating disorders are really big in that dance and all of those sports. Mm -hmm. And um, so my family was going to try to send me to an eating disorder clinic. And I met a woman who uh, they just put me and her in a room. And I think they took my parents somewhere else to tell them about the program. And her name was Heather. And I want to say she was probably 27 years old. And she just started opening up to me and sharing her story. And she told me that she had two children and that she couldn't have kids anymore because of her eating disorder. She ruined her body. And I don't know where this came from, but I just blurted out, I want you to have my baby. And she was like, what? And I was like, I want you to have my baby. And she goes, 
are you serious? And somehow we, in this little short, probably 45 hour, 45 minute hour conversation, I decided to give my baby to this woman. So we leave. And I had actually had an abortion scheduled for the very next day. So I didn't go obviously. And about three months into this, this woman calls me up bawling and she's like, Danny, I can't adopt your baby because it would be a private adoption. It costs $50,000 and we don't have the money. And so now I'm like four months. I found out I was having a little girl. It's too late for an abortion. And I, you know, I wouldn't have that at that point anyway, because I, you know, knew what I was having and saw this baby. Mm. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. And my family life was so rough that I didn't want to bring her up with my family. And I was terrified of adoption because we know all the old adoption stories where the baby's just snatched away. You don't know where they go and you never talk to them again. And I just, I felt like I couldn't do that. Mm. And I ended up reaching out to a social service agency. They told me that adoptions were different now. I could choose her parents and we would have like semi contact for a couple of years and that would go through them. So that was the choice I made. And so at 16 years old, I delivered a little girl and I had her for seven days before all the paperwork went through and um, she went off with a new family. And so that was like my first, I don't know, the first biggest shift of my life. And so what really happened then was during the whole pregnancy, since I was going through with it, I still had in the back of my mind that I was going to kill myself. I was like, okay, I'm just going to have this baby now and then I'll kill myself. Mm. And I had her and I was holding her in the hospital And I was one of those people that is like, I hate babies. I don't like them. They're ugly. (laughs) I think, I guess it's just different when it's your own. I don't know. But I was so in awe of her, of how beautiful she was. And I was like, she's so perfect. And I literally could never tell this without crying. But I just looked at her and I was like, oh my God, what if she grows up? And she asked about me as she would. And she finds out I killed myself. And then she thinks it's her fault for being born. And I just, I was like, I can't do that to someone. And I just made a silly decision. And I wrote in my journal that I just have to find something to do. Like, I'm going to stay alive, but I got to find something to do. So I didn't have any dreams. Like most kids, maybe like what they want to be when they grow up. I had stopped having those kind of thoughts. Mm. So I just thought I got to find stuff to do. So I'm going to just try something and try another thing. And so because prior to uh, getting pregnant, I was a gymnast, I ended up falling into some acrobatic stuff. And after college, I became an acrobat. And the acrobatic life was like the best. I was like, this is it. This is my dream. And I was loving life. Like this is, I can't even explain how exhilarating it is to just fly and to make a good amount of money. so much more money than my friends were making for doing this job, which was so <laughs> wild and crazy. Love. Yeah. I was like, I for this. This is yes. amazing. Oh my gosh. You know, like $500 a day to just play in the ocean. And it was, it was incredible. Okay. And after a couple of months, I woke up just one morning, got out of bed, fell on the ground and... I was like, oh, my legs aren't working. And I, you know, you're an athlete. Sometimes things get wonky. And so I thought I just had like a pinched nerve or something. Long story short, I ended up in the, I ended up in a couple hours, unable to walk at all, dragging myself across the floor, screaming in pain, got taken to the hospital and found out I had a bacterial infection that lodged into my sacroiliac joint, cutting off all of the motor nerves to my legs. And it paralyzed me. 
And my doctor said I was lucky to be alive. I was never going to perform again. And they weren't sure if I was going to walk again. And so my whole world was just crushed. And, you know, I went back to, and I think our minds are, there were so many patterns and conditioning. And I went back to, I wish I was dead. Like, what am I going to do here? I can't walk. My degree was actually in physical education, not circus acrobatics, but it was in phys ed. I thought I'd be a PE teacher or something. I'm like, I can't walk. So what what do I do with this degree? Can't walk. I can't move. I love being an acrobat. If I'm not that, then I'm good for nothing. And Mm -hmm. so I just fell into another big depression and I got sent home, had to live with my parents who, by the way, pretty much since I turned 18, I hadn't talked to them for four years because of all the pregnancy and all that stuff. So I had nowhere to go, got to send home to live with my mom (laughs) and the one that I just butt heads with. And I was like, this is it again, back to wish I was dead. Mm -hmm. And I had a friend who got diagnosed with colon cancer, stage four colon cancer. She was 18 years old. And she came to see me when I got to the hospital. And she was like, Danny, this is so unfair. I can't believe this happened to you. And I'm sitting there in my head going, oh my God, what is she talking about? Like she's got stage four cancer. She's on chemo. She's losing her hair. We all know she's going to die. And she's saying it's unfair that I can't walk. Mm -hmm. And that was this big like, basically like the universe way of punching me in the face. I'm like, bitch, you better like get out of this pity party you're having. Within a year, I was walking again. And um, I still had pain for a couple of years, but I could walk without any like detection of a limp. And that set me on like the next path and the next trajectory Mm -hmm. for myself. And I ended up getting my um, NASM personal training certification because I thought if I'm going to research all this stuff, I might as well get certified for it. (laughs) Even though certificate, like personal training and basically what I was doing was physical therapy rehab wasn't the same. I just thought it would tie in somehow. So I got my training certification and I think whenever you cannot do something, like if you ever find yourself very sick in a hospital bed, the only thing you want to do is feel well again. And you will make all kinds of bargains with the universe, with God. Like if I can never walk again, I'm never going to take this for Mm -hmm. granted. So I felt like if I ever walk again, I am not taking this for granted. So I just went full on into fitness. I was like the fitness queen. And I was like the most ripped person you've ever seen. I started doing fitness competitions and this was like my new life, became a trainer, started blowing up on social media. I started to create this big brand. And this is like when The Biggest Loser came out. So I was just giving people these massive body transformations. I wanted to be the next Jillian Michaels. You've taken a massive jump into the entrepreneurship. And I'd love to talk about how Sweaty Bitty came along. Yeah. You're into the fitness. And at, at what stage did you make it a business and then a brand. Like take us through that part of your life, that journey. Yeah. So I, as a fitness competitor, I started to like the social media started MySpace, And so I was posting pictures of myself, like, Hey, look how great I look. And people started to ask what I was doing. So I started to share fitness tips online. Like here's like little tips on what to, how to eat and little workouts. And this was also around the time when everybody was really dogmatic about like CrossFit was really hardcore and mm-hmm. paleo people were really hardcore. And, and this was also when The Biggest Loser was coming out. And so I just started sharing a lot of content online. And what I realized was that I didn't really believe 
in one really hardcore thing. I noticed with clients that the ones that had success were the ones they they didn't they weren't all doing the same exact thing. They were all had mm-hmm. something different for them. And so I created the sweaty Bettys because I the tagline was don't be a bitch. And it was more just tongue in cheek and kind of funny, but it was also like do what you want to do. Like if Zumba makes you feel great, do Zumba. If CrossFit makes you feel great, do CrossFit. It was yeah. like fitness is for fitness is for everybody. And so I think it really caught on because it was inclusive. It was fun. And I had really short workouts that were easy, not easy. They were tough, but they were short, right? So people could do them. And so that started to really blow up. And I think it was timing. Um, I think the internet was new and it was easy to get seen on Facebook. And what started to happen was as that community grew and as I started to get so many clients, I started coaching online and getting business clients all over the world. I then also started to get trainers asking me how I was doing what I was doing. Yeah. So now you're getting in the next part of the business. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So it starts so off then, you just giving advice and then doing more personal training type of yeah. part of that business. But then the next part is the bigger part of it, community, growing, like how do you scale it, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so, and so I built, I built like an online community, you know, um, we had like a membership site and just tons of members and just so much fun. I think there was just so much fun around it. You know, we had these shirts that say, I'm a sweaty buddy. It was funny. I didn't make the shirts to make money. Like it wasn't a t-shirt business, but people started buying them. And so, and then they post their photos and then I would share the photos. So it just, the community grew really big and people felt like they were part of something. Amazing. And, and then it was, suddenly I'm spending half of my time working with clients and half of my time working with trainers and showing them what I was doing on how to build this. And there was strategy behind it. I didn't realize there was strategy. Mm. And then I started going to marketing conferences and reading marketing <laughs> books. And then I'm going, oh, I'm doing this naturally. And so I think I was yeah. a, naturally good mar- a naturally good marketer. But then I, even when something comes natural, you still got to learn. So I really dove into leadership, personal development, business books, and then I, I really started to make the switch um, about three, four years into Sweaty Buddies into working strictly with entrepreneurs, mostly fitness entrepreneurs on how to do what I was doing. Mm, yeah. It's interesting because you don't realize the IP in your head until you have to teach someone. Yeah. And then when you have to teach them, you realize you do have this intellectual property, but yeah. you've never been able to be conscious of that process. And it's so interesting because with us, my husband and I run the Sales Institute and we've got a program called the Reverse Selling Method. And it's how do we reverse the sales so it's comfortable for you and the sales uh, for the person that's buying. And it's helping unpack our clients' own personal IP into yeah. a model and framework. Yeah. And that's the thing we say, like, you've actually got the idea in your head. We're going to help you unpack it, but then maybe get the order right or maybe yeah. show you, you know, what's affecting the sale and what is, what's really enhancing it. And then how do we repack it so then you can teach it to grow your team, just like you being able to then, you know, teach entrepreneurs. And when did it change? Did you end up winding Sweaty Betty down? Did you sell it? Like what was the 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 next transition from that then into then just entrepreneurs full stop. Yeah. I wish, I wish, I wish I sold it. I kicking myself. I don't think I knew that it was possible to. Yeah. Um, I basically just. We've all been there. It. Yeah. I'm like, 
I could have, and I didn't even realize till a couple of years later, a girl I knew who had a brand around the same time, I went back and I go, Oh, what happened? She goes, I sold it. And I was like, what? You could do that. (laughs) I was like, so it, I know it really, you know, there's one thing about me and it kind of comes back to like that decision I made at 16 is I need to find something to do. I also realized I only want to do things I enjoy doing. Like life is Mm. life. If you're miserable, like my brain goes dark when I'm miserable, right? Apparently. So I can't do shit. I don't like doing. And what happened was I went on a trip to Belize and this happened very quickly. I went on a trip to Belize to an orphanage and the simple stupidest thing. It was around Christmas. The staff was making a big Christmas dinner. So nobody had eaten all day and I was hungry. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait for freaking Christmas dinner. Like this this day is dragging on. And so someone brought us in these peanut butter jelly sandwiches on this white bread, like wonder bread, crappy white bread. The first thought in my head was like, ew, I'm not going to eat these carbs. And then I was like, oh, like my own brain was like, oh my God, you these kids, this is all they eat. They, they're they hungry all the time. This is the kind of food they eat. Oh, wow. And my thought is like, I don't get to eat. I'm not going to eat those carbs. Like how privileged. It was like this instant smack of realizing how privileged I was that I could choose what kind of carbs I wanted to eat or not eat. Mm. When I'm in an orphanage with children who are lucky to have meals every day. And I went home and I was like, if one more person... and. <laughs> Well, this is also Christmas, right? So these kids, we saw them. They got a laundry basket. Every single one of them got a laundry basket, pair of flip-flops, a little thing of like soap and underwear. And they were so excited. And then I'm scrolling on Facebook and I'm seeing all these people in the US. They're getting iPads. They're getting like phones. And I was like, oh my God, what? This is... I just like... I just saw something so different. And so... I was like, if one more person asked me if they can eat carbs after four, I'm going to scream. Like, we know what to eat. We know what to do. And I also saw, I was attracting a lot of binge eating clients and we were going, I talked to them and they're like, I'm eating this, I'm eating this. And I give them a meal plan. I'm like, it's not what you're eating. It's what's eating you. This, me giving you a meal plan is not helping you at all anymore. And so there is a place for that kind of work. But I realized that wasn't the work I needed to be doing. I was really being drawn to clients and helping them out with their trauma, with their communication, with the problems they had with their mothers that I had experience with, with the emotional issues that I had experience with, with depression that I had experience with. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm not here on this earth to write meal plans anymore. And so it sucked because there was a full year where Sweaty Betty's was just flat. I pulled all my programs back. I only sold through affiliates. So if other people had fitness programs, I sold through there. So I stayed afloat, you know, making a decent amount of money as an affiliate, but I just felt like I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore just as my heart wasn't letting me. Mm. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew I couldn't do that. And that was scary. And I think a lot of people maybe listening to this might be in that transition. You might be leaving a corporate job and wanting to go to a startup. And you're like, I don't know exactly what the next thing is. I just know I can't do this. Mm. And that's a scary place to be. And if you think about everything in like what you've even told us about your life where you know, it was always just there was a situation every time that sort of shocked you. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It was it was the shock of being pregnant and then yeah. the shock of hearing that conversation of that lady saying, I can't have children anymore and I really want another one. And that just sort of yeah. put you straight 
into, you know, back into yeah. alignment or a new alignment. And yeah. then, you know, the next one was with the, you know, being an athlete. And I know this so well because I've been continually trying to just, you know, work through this uh, beautiful little injury that keeps coming back with me, yeah. a bacterial meningitis infection, funny enough. Um, and um, having that shock again of your friend coming in with stage four bowel cancer, yeah. you know, it was all these things for you, but for you it was always like you just took that next little step like you just said to the lady, you're okay, I'm, I'm going to give you my child. Like, you know, it was just like instantaneous. And then with your friend, it's like, I'm, I'm just going to like toughen up. I'm going to take one step forward and just do my affirmations. And yeah, and it's just interesting now, even that pattern again, it's so beautiful that when you really feel something, it's like there's an intuition in you mm. and it just suddenly goes... And it puts you in that track and then you just take that first little step. And anything with business, with decisions in life, with all of us listening to your interview, you know, we all understand that we don't know, a lot of times we don't know what the next step is. Yeah. We have to take that step to then see, okay, does it feel like we're on track or to have that next door open or, you know, the next window that we've got to climb through. So I just um, loved hearing that because it just really helps us understand that it's never a no it's just I've, I've done it yeah and what's next or what's that yeah. next evolution because if we're not evolving life would be boring right <laughs> oh absolutely it's funny you said that each of those things because I always say to myself I'm like gosh I just must learn really I have to learn hard lessons I think the hard way but as you're repeating it back, I'm like, no, it's just really abrupt lessons. I think they've just been abrupt. And I'm like, okay. And I just make a sharp right. I'm like, all right, yeah. we're going this way. And now we're like, we're going this way now. Yeah. And, I just think, and, I think you're open to it. You hear it or you, it's, yeah. as soon as you feel something, it's like, for you, it's like a kinesthetic thing. You'll feel yeah. it and it'll go, oh, and it's like something just takes you off that train track and it's like, and it gets you onto the next one. Like, it's just yeah. You're, you're hugely kinesthetic, which is so great to be able to hear that and do it and, and take that action. Do you know what I mean? Because it's scary as shit when you're going in one direction and then suddenly your whole oh, life yeah. changes, either one business, one emotional. Uh, I know on your TED Talk, like you were listing all these things that had happened. I thought you were just talking about things happening in people's life. And you went, right. and that's, that was mine. And I was like, holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> and she's and up you know, here today lecturing. <laughs> oh, my God, she's incredible. <laughs> and you know what's so wild about that? too is, you know, I'm saying it as a narrative and I could say it today from just a place of like, this is how it mm -hmm. happened. But I do want to point out and just uh, empathize with someone going through it because it wasn't always easy. Yeah. It didn't mean I wasn't crying. It didn't mean I wasn't questioning and screaming and being like, I don't want this to be the thing, but I'm doing mm -hmm. it. Um, there's my daughter, we've reconnected and she's going through a breakup right now. And she's like, it's so hard. And I'm like, it just be, and she's, you know, she dumped the guy and she's like, maybe I did the wrong thing. And I said, just cause it doesn't feel good. doesn't mean it's wrong. Sometimes mm. things will hurt. Let's say you have a surgery and it's, you're in pain, you're sore for a while before you heal and healing takes time. And I actually sent her a video of myself leaving. I left, um, the courthouse when I signed my divorce papers. And I had forgotten this because it's it's far off and the emotions are, I can talk about it now, but I forgot how 
badly. I was hurt. And I took a video of myself because I didn't want to forget. And I was crying and just saying how I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to end that marriage. I didn't want to lose my best friend. And these are all the things she was saying about her breakup. And I sent her the video and she said she saw that video and she knew she had to do the breakup. And in the moment, sometimes mm-hmm. these these decisions, and I make it sound like I made a very easy decision to do this, but it's not actually easy. It doesn't mean that it's not painful and it's not hard and it's not excruciating, but yeah. I feel compelled to do the thing anyway. Yeah. I, I love that definition of it because let's face it, when you're in the trenches, it's hard. It's so nice mm-hmm. to be able to, when you come out the other side and look out from the valley, the top of the valley to look back, it is yeah. so much easier. Um, but when you're in the trenches, you are in the thick of it and it, it is heavy and it is hard. I would love for um, just to go through what you're really quite well known for now is the gift of the do-over. Can we just close this part of that chapter with that? Like, why do you call it such a gift? Yeah. So it was funny in 2020 because I had been speaking pretty much full time. And then of course, we we all know there was a pandemic <laughs> and I don't think anyone's live was not touched, but all live events were canceled. And so- yeah. Everything for me was shut. I had a whole wall calendar of where I was going to be traveling, New York and Paris and just all these trips and just gone, right? Yeah, totally. And so, <laughs> and I have 30 my, grand in three months, like we had all yes, these just planned and it was just like, boom, gone. Yeah. I I'm mean, like, oh, okay, I'm going to find 130 grand <laughs> another type of work for the next three months. Right, <laughs> right. And, uh, and then like, and I, I would imagine you would feel this way too. If we knew that it was going to last this long, I think we would have done things different. Like I, we just kept thinking two weeks, right? I, I didn't work out for two years because I kept thinking the gym would open soon. And here I am like, oh God, I'm so out of shape. Well, we Why had didn't... courses booked. So we had <laughs> clients that we had to deliver and we were traveling around Australia doing yeah. an event, sell them into a program and then traveling to do the program. So for us, it made us build a studio really quickly because we yeah. had to deliver. Yeah. So it was actually a blessing in disguise because then we didn't have to travel as much and we could still totally. at the same time. <laughs> Nearly everyone I talked to say now is a blessing in disguise, but at the beginning it was shocking and it was like, oh my God, what do I do? Right. Yeah, how do we do this? So so this do-over thing kind of came out of my mm. holy crap moment of I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be the fitness. I was having a conversation with my boyfriend and I was literally crying about this. I'm like, I don't, I'm not a fitness expert anymore. I don't want to be a money expert because I was doing a lot of money stuff, but I didn't want to be like in the Dave Ramsey circles. And I, mm-hmm. I love talking about money and financial freedom and helping people with money mindset, but I didn't want to like peg myself into that yeah. um, industry. I actually have a question for you later on about how multi-talented you are. That actually does okay. remind you of me. Um, but I might just go there just now because okay. how hard is it for you to put yourself in a box? So I've always found it really hard. We always label myself as sales, but you know, when yeah. someone works with me, like we work with every area of the, their life, we work with their business, we work with marketing. Yeah. But you know, we understand that for, for to, to break through the noise, it's hard to market everything. And when I looked at yeah. what you do, I thought, wow, like how do you package you, you know? Sorry, yeah. I know that we've sort of digressed, but that just because you've just talked about that, um, yeah, it's just interesting how, you know, are you putting yourself in the box type of person by the sounds of it? No. 
Well, see, I know. So, well, that was the whole thing is I was like, I don't want to be this. I don't want to be this. And I'm like, I go, I don't want to be the, I'm not a fitness expert anymore. I mean, I could be, but it's not what I do. I don't want to be a money expert. I go, the only thing I'm an expert in is starting over. I'm like, do over Danny. <laughs> and I said that out loud and I started laughing and I'm like, oh my God, that's kind of catchy. And also it's true. And also everyone has to start over. And so I was like, if I'm going to be in the box, it might be the box of starting over because then it could be, you're starting over fitness. You're starting over a new job. You're starting over divorce. Oh, you're so starting good. over. And so, but to your point, it is very difficult. I think as a marketer and as like a business coach, I generally suggest starting somewhere and getting known for one thing. I think being known in the fitness industry and taking off and building success there really helped me a lot. But staying there forever made me feel yeah. trapped and bored. Yeah. And this is not where I'm supposed to be. So that is a challenge. But I think when you're new and you're just beginning, you do need to find an expertise in something before mm -hmm. you can expand. And I think you, yeah. it's almost like you earn the ability to expand and talk about more, but it does get tricky. So when I switched from the Sweaty Buddies to Danny J, I decided that was kind of my, my switch was like, you know what? Sweaty Buddies... It's just fitness. Like you hear the name, it sounds like fitness. If I'm Danny J, I can talk about whatever I want. So I can yeah. go in any direction. The caveat though, or the there's pros and cons, right? Pros are if someone's scrolling on social media, they see sweaty Betty's, they're like, ooh, what's this? Like if they're looking for a fitness brand that's fun, they're like, oh, I can follow. But if they're scrolling, like nobody's gonna see Dan who's Danny J. It's not, I'm yeah. like Oprah or Ellen. So when you're your own name, you have the freedom to do what you want, but also who the hell are you? Yes. So there's pros and cons oh, to that. But I think being known for one thing at first is a huge benefit before you kind of do more things. But mm -hmm. we are, we like, we, we have so much life experience and we work with people that, and we see patterns. And so we can help people with these things, even if yeah. it's not like that thing we're helping them with, right? Like I have yeah. business coaching clients, but they really like life coaching clients because they come for business, but you know, we have to deal with yeah. all the other shit first. That's <laughs> right. That's right. So um, can you just share with everyone if they want to learn more about working with you? Um, I've got girls just, at, you scrolled below, there's links to everything. So if you click that one link, it will take you to everywhere we mentioned on the show. But Danny, tell us, you know, what are the ways that they can work with you? What are some of the ways? You've talked about yeah. some life coaching there. Yeah. So I think the best place to go is my website, um, dannyj.com. And I mostly, and what I prefer to do the most is work with um, small groups of entrepreneurs, like workshops, VIP days. I do. I love doing experiential workshops. I think what I'm really good at is coming up with um, exercises and activities that help people have these transformational moments. I think like these kind of aha things that I've had over my life. Mm -hmm. And I put people in situations and we do like activities, not necessarily journal activities, but some things like that, journaling activities and face-to-face -face things that just change people rapidly. And I literally just had a girl reach out to me from a, a, work, a workshop that I did in 2012. And she's like, that to this day has made the most difference in my life. And so... I love creating those kind of experiences for people. Um, I do work some one-on-one, -on -one, just depends on what it's for. You can always reach out and message me and say, hey, this is kind of what I'm going through, what I need. And, and then one of the things I'm really good at is connecting. And I have a lot of network who are great at EMDR and different kinds of therapy. And, and I have amazing fitness professionals. And so I love finding 
people to help with whatever you need. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I know sense. business coaches, I know branding coaches, I know this, and I know if I can help you with whatever your thing is. Yeah. But yeah, my website, dannyj.com, there's ways to book me for speaking. And um, you know, you can see the TED Talk or I'll even chat about coaching. But my coaching really is, is like a conversation. It depends on what you're really looking for. Yeah, fantastic. So we have two different types of women that listen to the show. We have women that are in the startup and then we've got women that are in the growth. Mm-hmm. Based on you being do over Danny <laughs> yeah. and having such an organic way that you've grown your business and then also having the next way where, you know, you're going, this is not what I want anymore, but this is what I'm sort of feeling out and now doing what you're doing. Can you give a piece of advice going back to the startup? Because you've done startup a couple of times now. Yeah. If there was one piece of advice that you think, gosh, if someone ever told me that, that would save me a hell of a lot of stress or trouble or just something that you just feel like it's just really good just to help them stay on track or stay staying happy. Yeah. <laughs> would be? Best piece of advice. Yeah. So during the pandemic, I actually started up two other companies that actually have nothing to do with me front facing. And I wouldn't even, I don't Ah. even promote them. People don't know that I do them now. One's an e-commerce business and one, um, I helped someone build a course and we take a percentage. We basically run this guy's funnels and all of this stuff. So I have a lot of experience doing different things. And I would say the biggest thing is just sticking to it. Um, What I see with new entrepreneurs is they go, oh, I tried this and it didn't work. I tried this and it didn't work. And I'm like, how long did you try it for though? It's just the same as diets. You know, I, I used to see the same thing in fitness as, oh, I tried this diet for like three days and I haven't lost a pound yet. I'm like, just keep going, <laughs> just keep going. Yeah. So there's the biggest thing is stay consistent and stay for the long haul. And mm. you have to just keep your head down. It's so easy when you're new to go, oh wait, but this person said to do this, this person. So like mm. find one mentor, listen Sorry. to them, turn out everyone else and keep going. It's going to take longer than you want it to, but it's going to be way shorter than you actually think it will. Yeah, It's just feels long in the moment because most of the time you're comparing yourself to people who started 10 years ago and you can't do that. Yeah. You just got to head down. And, and that quit. is exactly the thing <clears throat> where we're, we're, we're being trained in society that everything's fast. Yeah. You think we've been trained from goodness knows how many years ago with fast food, with McDonald's, then drive through. And now it's even faster with the attention span of TikTok. Like I watch my son, he scrolls so fast. Yeah. This is just not good for your brain. It can't be like <laughs> the attention right. span. And if you think now we're getting trained for such fast action, and like you said, if we are one being distracted by seeing what other people are doing, or we've got that shiny, um, what is it, the shiny, bright, shiny object syndrome, and we're like, I want to do that now, or she or he's doing that, and you, you get off course from your own. We'll talk about the compass before, like you stop feeling your own compass. But yeah. more importantly, I think what you said is sticking to it. You've got to stick to it to actually get that momentum. And when you are seeing these people that have been around for 10 years, you know, we're only seeing the 10% of top of that, you know, it's the the iceberg theory. You only see 10%. Yes. You can't see all the shit that's going on underneath to get them to that stage. So I think that's such great advice. Haven't had that on the show. Uh, let's try this one on for size. One for the yeah. female in the growth phase. 
She knows she's got the good. She understands her business. Maybe she's ready to expand her wings. Maybe she's ready to scale it some other way. I know you've scaled yours as well. Um, best piece of advice that you feel right now that you could give that um, it would really help the woman in the growth stage. Yeah. So funny enough, it's kind of, it's not quite the opposite, but almost like at the beginning, I'm like, just keep going, keep working, don't stop. Uh-huh. For the person in the growth phase, I like really encourage a pause. I really encourage a step back. So much of the beginning, you're going, 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 and you're doing everything that you get, you, you burn out. You burn out. You start to hate yeah. what you're doing. You start, you're going, I don't even like this anymore. Why am I doing it? I think taking a step back, self-care, like now that you're starting to make money, invest the money back in you. So invest back in your, whether it's like going to a spa or just stepping away. Like I will go get an Airbnb by myself for two days and just breathe and just get the hell away. And I only live with one person. Like I still want to be alone, but Mm -hmm. just getting away and just giving yourself some time to just go, okay, what is next for this? And then just reinvesting, reinvesting in yourself and mm-hmm. then starting to, and starting to delegate and hire out because yeah. as you're growing, it's so stressful. You have to take care of you. Cause if you're not, you're going to lose everything. Mm, so yeah. my biggest advice is like, slow down. I, I had a mentor. He says, slow down to go fast. And I, I really like resonate with that. That actually is really true. That piece of advice, some, some private information about Peter and I, we were building our business. We built it really fast. Like within, uh, I think 14, 15 months, we got to seven figures. So we both had our skill sets, but we decided let's just do it together and build it together. So both professional speakers, both sales um, trainers and speakers and do a lot of personal development stuff. So we went, let's just, let's just pull our stuff together and build together. Um, But then we built it so fast and this is not to big note ourselves because we built it so fast because we knew how to convert. Yeah. But everything in the background was not there. We didn't have sales funnels. We didn't have marketing. We didn't even have a brand. Like it was like we just went, like went for it. So we actually just pulled back for three months, which was really scary. You know, here we are. We've just put a deposit on a house and I just said to him, I think we need to pull back to restructure, to get the foundation right so we can rebuild again. And like you're saying, it's to go slow. You got to slow down. Slow down to go fast. You do. It's such a great piece of advice because for us, it then we stopped. We did okay. We'll go December, January, February, Mm -hmm. March. I looked at our figures. This is March last year. Yep. Incredible. Like doubled our revenue. So it was like it was very much worth it. It's having the patience to do it and just trusting that it is about taking a few steps back. And even like you're saying, um, and you know, I'm passionate about the burnout from our pre-chat before we recorded. Yeah. We're not going to get our brilliant ideas. We're not going to be in our brilliant zone if no. we are diluted. So I love, no. you know, you're saying like you book yourself, you know, an Airbnb and, you know, you do that stuff just for self-care, just uh yeah, you got to. Shoot. Even even if you just like eat ice cream and you do nothing, like stay off your phone, like do whatever you want, but just don't do anything. For, like, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, speaking of burnout, I would love to know what's something that you love to do and that's something that you have as a routine or something that you know it's your go-to place. 
and you do it on a regular basis. You know, if I do this, this really puts me back into check. It makes me the happiest Danny J that I know. What would it be? Mm, something consistent. So, you know, what's funny? I, I had, I was thinking of a different answer earlier because movement is, is a big thing for in my life. And it's funny you said I'm a kinesthetic person because I didn't think about that. But now I'm like thinking about what I do. It tends to be movement and massage. Mm. And it's like, it's body stuff. I feel like I have to get in my body. And I book massages at least once a month. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of, I don't know, sometimes I'm like, it's kind of a lot of money to spend, but I feel so much better. I just need, I just need it. And that's something I do. Or I get get out and take a walk. I got to say like last week, I was going through some stuff in my relationship and I was trying to just be chill and like, try not to be a crazy girlfriend, trying to just, and so I knew there was things that I wanted to say and I couldn't say them because things were going well. And I, I was like, I need to wait till I talk to my coach. Like I can't bring this up now. I just left. I went, took a walk and I walked for three days. I walked like 20,000 steps every day. I'm like, I'm just walking until I, I'm not crazy. <laughs> I'm walking. I'm walking. I'm like, I walked so much. I, I told my coach, I was like, yeah, I walked a ton. I'm like, but I didn't freak out. I didn't flip out. I'm like, I got a lot of steps in, but there's something about, and I actually was going through my, my mother passed away um, nine months ago. And it's been, it's been really hard to process. And so I found that in moments of just grief, I've been going outside, just getting in the sun and taking Mm. a walk. I think it's a combination of the movement for one, but also just Mm. nature, sunshine. There's something magical that happens. And so I force myself now because I work from home and it's very easy to just pee in your pajamas all day. I force myself to go outside every day and just take, Mm. take a short walk. Sometimes it's a long one. Sometimes it's 20,000 steps. Sometimes it's just a quick to the mailbox and back. But movement, sunshine is something that helps me a lot. Mm -hmm. What was the other thing you were going to say? Well, I was going to say the walking first. And then I was like, massage, you know, was the one I added on. But walking, walking for sure. Being in your body, getting back in your body. You know, it's Mm -hmm. all that movement and energy. And just want to acknowledge my condolences for you, uh, with your mom, your family. Thank you. Um, well, Danny J, you are a powerhouse. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for saying yes. And ladies, what uh, we didn't actually say is it's now 10 o'clock at night <laughs> over in Las Vegas. So. Yeah. A big thank you for making this happen and for showing up and just sharing your genius zone and doing what you're doing, just continually, you know, changing lives in the world. So just keep doing what you're doing, keep stepping into your brilliance and, um, yeah, you're always a light that shines. Look at, you know, how you started when you were young. (laughs) You know, it was always out there, right? It was performer in some way. So you're there to change lives. So, yeah, thank you for doing what you're doing. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for giving me the opportunity and can't wait to hear from people. Beautiful. And um, can't wait to see you uh, on Instagram doing pole dance. <laughs> yes. Very soon. <laughs> You're going to go listen. You're going to go listen. <laughs> She'll be top of the class. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. You're listening to The Herpreneur Show. I hope you received the inspirational idea, thought or message that you're meant to hear today. If you love the show, it means a bunch to me sending me a message on Facebook or on iTunes to rate and review the show and subscribe so you're the first to know when the next show's released. Until then, make sure you do something that fills up your level of happiness, something that lifts your vibration so high that you're the happiest person that you know. I'm out.